Today on Locked On Red Wings, I am joined by Jake Rivard of Winging It in Motown. We're going to talk a retrospective on his three routes the Red Wings could take this offseason, as well as a little bit of Elmer Soderblom and head coaching interview updates. You're Locked On Red Wings, your daily podcast on the Detroit Red Wings. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So, Jake, I don't know if you know this. Um, I'm notoriously bad at cold opens, and yesterday it took me five tries to get it. So you caught me on a good day because that took me one time, and it was pretty clean. So I'm pretty proud of myself. I kind of tend to have that effect on people, you know, it, whenever I'm you, around them, they get amazing. <laughs> immediately bringing me up. So Scotty's already on the hot seat. So oh, bummer, Scotty. <laughs> yeah. This is the Lockdown Red Wings podcast, the Friday episode. Uh, I am your host, Brian Fisher. And today, Scotty is out. He's covering lacrosse for the Detroit News. He couldn't make it, but we had already had Jake Rivard slated to come on. So today he's kind of moved from a guest role to uh, the co-host role. Uh, Jake is a writer for Winging It in Motown and Earlier in the season, he wrote an article uh, called Three Routes the Red Wings Can Take After This Season. And uh, we're gonna, we talked about it at the time. We had you on to talk about it at the time. And now we're having you back on because the season is over. And uh, now that it ended with how it did, let's just say it ended. It certainly ended. Uh, what route you think that they're going to take. But first, before we get to any of that, Jake, how are you doing, man? What's, uh, give me a little bit of an update. Where are you at, bud? Oh man, life's been crazy. Uh, I actually just got back from Italy a couple of weeks ago. So, uh, wow. That was, I, I kind of felt like, uh, you know how like the wings players go golfing after the season ends that yeah. to me, uh, that season was just, the ending was just so rough that I was like, I got to get out of here. I got to get the hell out of here. So, um, I'd been I wish I could a while. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> We've been planning this trip for a while. So explored all of Italy, did a little bit of Barcelona, um, then made our way home and, it's kind of just been smooth sailing ever since. Good, man. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, I know you've also recently, a few weeks ago, wrote an article about the draft purgatory as well. Um, mm -hmm. It's a really interesting article. What was going on with that? Well, the Wings are kind of in a position now where they're too good to be bad, but they're too bad to be good. Um, they yeah. they can't really tank and hit the lottery, but they can't really like make a real push for the playoffs. Well, so, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say with Boston, maybe entering a rebuild that, that loosens up the division a little bit, but it's such a tight division. Yeah. And you've got teams like Ottawa that I think could probably make, uh, you know, jump the gun a little sooner. I, I get yes. the feeling that they're going to be the type to make just some big splash in the off season. And it's not really going to be the best direction they should go. Um, but yeah, the wings right now are, you know, they're in this weird position, but that's not necessarily a bad position. So if you read the piece, I go into, cup winning teams and why you could still win it all even without like a first or second overall pick because it has happened before. Yeah, it absolutely has. And I mean, the Red Wings given, unfortunately, unfortunately they haven't gotten the number one overall pick. They've fallen in a lot of these draft lotteries, but they've done really well with the picks that they've gotten. I mean, obviously Morris Sider, they took him sixth overall considered a reach at the time. He's about to win the Calder. And I think it's middle of June here. We'll find out. But it's it's pretty much a guarantee. Lucas Raymond taking fourth overall the year. They should have gotten Lafreniere, and he's looking really good as well. So 
I, I think a lot of it has to just come down to draft luck as well and just how good your scouting is. But man, getting those getting those top picks, it goes a long way. And the Red Wings have just been screwed every year out of that. But t- speaking of draft picks, Jake, there is some news on that front. Elmer Soderblom, who we've been talking about a lot here on this podcast, he's someone that we've gotten high on just because, I mean, he's so huge and he's got such soft hands. He was the... Uh, 2019 sixth round pick, 159th overall by the Red Wings. And today on Thursday, when we're recording this in the evening, he signed his entry-level contract with the Red Wings, which means he is officially, officially part of the organization. It took him a couple years to get there, but his growth these last few years over in Sweden has been really good. And he had a, he had a strong year with Frölunda this year, 33 points in 52 games. And Frölunda's head coach, uh, was it, is it Gronberg or Roenberg? I get those guys mixed up a lot. I'm pretty sure it's Gronberg or for Lunda, it's Roenberg. Roenberg, yep. Because there's Gronberg and there's Roenberg. Yeah. <laughs> but and, and Roenberg mentioned that he is he has really developed. And so it's a much deserved contract. And I'm really excited to see if he comes overseas this next offseason. Maybe he plays a little bit in America where the ice is a little bit smaller to see what kind of success a guy of his size, six foot eight guys. Six foot eight, this guy is. See what what kind of success he could have. You know, you talked a little bit about growth. Uh, when the Wings initially drafted him, I believe he was listed at six foot seven. Now six foot eight, man, big progress. Yeah, big <laughs> progress. I meant like growth in the game. Oh yeah, Jake. Oh, yeah. you know. Come on now, uh, so two hundred fifty pounds. <sighs> he's gonna be a titan on the ice. Um, I thought monster. Rasmussen was huge when I saw him, but this is gonna be. I might need to hit up a couple of Griffins games next year. Yeah, and well, that's the thing too is, so the the big drawback of all these big guys is their skating ability because oftentimes the bigger you are the higher center of gravity you have which means the worse your skating ability is i haven't been able to sit down and you know watch every single game from Ferlunda because you know we're in america it's hard to see those games but just bit, given the package of highlights we've seen he actually is a pretty competent skater and that's the thing that holds back these big guys the most is their their how light on the feet they are that was the big critique with Mantha and Rasmussen. And I mean, those guys are doing fine now. One, obviously, more so than the other, but. Um, well, that's know. also what kept McElrath from being a, ever an NHL talent, why he stayed, you know, that replacement level AHL players. He, he was never fleet of foot. Exactly. Yeah. No, those big guys. And I mean, there are ways to work around that, obviously. Um, like Zidane Chara is so huge. That it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, they made a bigger stick for him because he just couldn't hold the normal size stick. Um, so I mean, there are workarounds, but I I am very intrigued by Soderblom, and I'm wondering mm-hmm. how he's going to top off. My prediction is somewhere in the middle six. Um, if he really hits his ceiling, uh, maybe like a third liner with some power play potential. You know, it remains to be seen. No, it absolutely does, and it's just us Red Wings fans have such like a a love for late round picks because we found those diamonds in the rough in the past. I mean, everyone knows Datsuk Zetterberg, Konstantinov, all late round picks that turned into, you know, Red Wings legends at this point, guys who are going to go down in the history of best Red Wings players ever. And we, we are, we look at Soderblom and how he's developed and you just, you just hope this is the next guy, the next diamond in the rough who comes up and, you know, but, he looks like he he's taking a step every single year and it seems he's trending in the right direction. I just hope that the transition to the North American game almost helps him because the the ice is a lot smaller, but a guy of his size, I feel like that would benefit because you have more of a presence on a smaller ice when you're that big. 
Exactly. You see a giant 250 pound, you know, colossus of a human skating at you at full speed. You're probably going to cough up the puck. Yeah. Well, it's like you already see what Moritz Sider can do and obviously different positions here, but you see what Moritz Sider could do like Connor McDavid going around and he just reached his stick around and poked it off. You know, this guy's even bigger. He's going to cover more ice just by being on the ice. Like he just, he'll have such a wide wingspan. He's going to be a force at takeaways and then down low is he's just, his you upside got, could be so good. You put him on the ice with guys like uh, Edvinson, Sider, um, Rasmussen. You know, you've got a bunch of giants. Like Eiserman loves he, his big boys. Yeah. He does. Yes, he does. Uh, the other news on the Red Wings front here is that the, according to Frank Saravelli, that the, the Red Wings have interviewed a, another head coach, head coaching candidate and that's david quinn he was the new york rangers head coach from 2018 until 2021 uh all three years they i let they let, let me rephrase in 1920 they made the qualifying round it was the bubble year they made the playoffs and lost enough qualifying rounds and if i'm if i'm correct that's yeah that's the year that they jumped all the way up to number one overall in that second they made draft the playoffs lottery. and won the lottery yeah which... and <laughs> Yeah, they got swept out of the playoffs too, which is my point being David Quinn. No, thank you. He, they made he was there three years and they weren't very good. Any of those years they, they, their best season under him was 79 points. Although those New York Rangers teams weren't built to succeed in that span. They were going through a rebuild at that time for sure. But I'm curious as to why he got interviewed in the first place. But in the end, I'm just saying no, thank you to that one. Yeah, I think, you know, they interviewed Trotz. I think, I don't know if they've interviewed Tortorella or not. I don't, that rumor's been flying around like crazy, but. It sounds um, like he's got connections with the Flyers, though. Yeah, they're they're just trying to cover all their bases, I think. Um, actually, slightly related to that, uh, Jeff Blashill got another interview. Um, don't know Good if you saw Jeff. that or not. Yeah, so he, uh, the Flyers actually gave him an interview. Speaking I, of Philly. I don't even have any like negative emotion towards Jeff Blashill, to be honest. He, I, I'm one of those guys who's like, he was here and he served his purpose and yeah. now it's time to move on. So like good for Jeff Blashill. I've always thought he was a good dude and hope he gets another opportunity somewhere. I didn't, I honestly didn't think he'd get a head coaching opportunity somewhere else, but I'm curious, uh, I'm curious to see what would happen if you put him on like a very good, like playoff or better team, because everybody always said like, Oh, he's going to do amazing. If you put him, you know, give him the talent. Well, because that's why I really have the talent here. That's why him being connected to like a team like Florida is really intriguing because if he goes to a team that just won the president's trophy, becomes their head coach, I, that is, I, I'd be really curious to, to see. It is big shoes to fill, but also be very curious if he can actually do something with that. So uh, it's interesting. But David Quinn interviewed with uh, the Red Wings and the Flyers. I think you said that. Mm hmm. And I just, I, I'm not really, he, I'm not really in love with it. I, I think Eiserman is doing like due diligence and interviewing anyone who's like has head coaching experience, but I'm not really worried about it. So I think my big red flag with David Quinn is that the first thing that came to mind when I thought of him was the time he got fired for the Tom Wilson incident a couple of years ago. Oh, that's right. Or was that last year? I think that was last year. Yeah. Well, he's, he's one year out of his position at New York Rangers because Gerard Gallant just came in this past season. So yep. I think, yeah, cause this was Gallant's first season with the Rangers. If I'm, if I'm remembering correctly, all these, all these bubble years of pandemic, pandemic years kind of blend together yeah. at a certain yeah. point. <laughs> so uh, yeah, that's your guys' Red Wings news notes, updates. Uh, I got to talk to you guys today about betonline.net is your number one source for all your betting stats, sports and info. Speaking of betonline, we talked about those odds yesterday. 
Pete DeBoer is linked with the Dallas Stars. I also saw that. Pete DeBoer, according to Bet Online, was the second highest odds for the Red Wings' next head coach, but he is linked to Dallas, so maybe not so much. Uh, final latest sports developments, news, and odds, including this year's basketball championship matchup, the NHL Hockey Conference Finals, Major League Baseball, and of course, all the latest fighting news for MMA and UFC to boxing. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sport wagering information, including live betting, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, segment two, Friday edition. I am joined by Jake Rivard of uh, Winging It in Motown. He is filling in for Scotty's role today. And we're going to get into a bit of a retrospective now, uh, Jake. I, I teased it at the in the cold open and at the start of the f- first segment. Uh, you wrote an article uh, months ago now, the three routes the Red Wings could take after this season. And the three routes were buy-in, band-aid player, like more band-aid players, which means you're basically preaching patience more. And then you somewhere in between. And I guess the most crucial question I have for you is, now that the season is over and it ended the way it ended, what is your response? What is your answer to your own article? And was it altered at all by how that season ended? So there are a few different things that I think will affect the route that the wings will take. Um, The first being the vacancy in the head coach position. Since we don't currently have a head coach, we don't really know the direction that Eiserman wants to choose, Um, whether he goes for like a coach with deep playoff experience or if he picks somebody who's more into player development or goes full rookie coach. um, I think those things will affect the next path. Um, Another thing is the shallow free agent market. I don't know if you've really taken a look at what there is available, but, um, you know, there's like decent options at forward. There's maybe like a good backup, like a Braden Holtby type. But then you look at the defense, there's there's nothing there. Yeah. Um, I remember one of the names you brought up during, uh, I can't remember which route it was, but it was John Klingberg. And at first I was like, John Klingberg, oh my God, that's awesome. And then I, I was like all in and sold on him. And then I looked at his advanced analytics. Like, because he, he puts up a pretty high point total. And, you know, you fall in love with that aspect immediately. And then you're like, oh yeah, you're signing a defenseman. How is he defensively? And he's an absolute glass cannon. His, his expected goals for percentage, his relative, his expected goals uh, above replacement, all in the negative because he doesn't know how to play defense whatsoever. And that's like one of the best defensive free agents on the market. You're signing a guy who is, you're, you're signing a guy to just score goals at that point. He gives up more goals per game, per 60 minutes than he scores. So it's just like, that's your best option at, at, for a long-term defensive solution right now because Chris Letang and P.K. Subban are both north of 30. And not to mention the price tag that he's going to command. Yeah. Um, you're basically just getting a better Tyson Barry. And with the way this team is set up right now, I don't think going all in on, uh, you know, a big, big market, big game, going big game hunting this season is just not like in the cards. I don't think. And that sucks too, because about how, when we first did the retrospective on, or not the retrospective, the, we first discussed your article coming out, the Red Wings were playing well. And I was, I was beginning because let me take a, a step back even further. At the start of the season, I was like, it's going to be another, you know, off season. This next off season will be another off season of preaching patience, band-aid players. And they started playing well. And I started to like believe in my own hype, believe in the Red Wings hype as well. Just like they they could do it. They, they could compete for a playoff spot. And like I because they were 500, even though I could see the glaring holes that this team had, the fact that they were winning games like had me like just so desperate for a playoff team. I was like, they're going to go buy mode this next off season. And the wheels fell off and it's like cold reality, like a bucket of cold water right over your head. And you're like, 
oh no, they're gonna it's gonna be another another summer of just meh. Which kind of sucks, yep. but I also understand it because the free agent class is bland, but so is the like not and not to say the draft class is is bland. There's a lot of really good talent, but there's only like one guy who's like above the rest, and he's not even like he's not even like Austin Matthews or Connor McDavid above the rest. He's just like in he's his own tier. Good. He's yeah. pretty good, and everyone else in that top ten is just good. So it's just kind of like goes back to it's, goes back to your article about uh about purgatory, and it just feels like the Red Wings. This is another purgatory offseason where Eiserman's going to have to make something work. You know, like mm-hmm. he's going to have to make his own luck. But I mean, last season we did get you know Alex Nedeljkovic. So really, I, I don't believe that a trade is out of this world impossible. Um, I mean, we can always. Yeah, <laughs> go all just, in <laughs> I, I think that would cost you more than it's worth. I think it would set you back. Um, we'll get Pasternak. We'll get Debrinket. You know, you we're go. just going all in. Yeah, <laughs> Klingberg, why not? <laughs> let's, let's go. Yeah. But I, I think a Pasternak trade would cost you too much in your own assets. Then that would own uh, kind of yeah. – it would any window you would open up by getting Pasternak would be shortened because of what you gave up in the process. Mm-hmm. So, but anyways, back to, I'm going off topic on tangents here. Sorry, Jake, continue. (laughs) Oh, you're all good. Um, I guess to answer your main question, I think we're going to see another conservative, pretty quiet season, especially after that end of the season interview where Iserman said, yeah, I'll probably sign four to six players, but I don't think you're going to like them. Um, So I imagine we're going to see like a Colin Miller type or, um, you know, just some, some depth forwards. Maybe Mark Stahl comes back again. Who knows? I would honestly be okay with Mark Stahl because if you looked at his advanced analytics, like he had a pretty solid, pretty solid season. And, you know, he wore that a with pride. Like he very much was a fit to that culture, but I also understand. um, And uh, Scotty makes his argument all the time is you can't have the worst defenseman in the league and then bring back that defensive class. Like you just can't do it. Yeah, he's not right. He's not wrong. Um, I I loved Mark Stahl because you just never knew what you were going to get on the ice. Um, it was so crazy. He gets on. You're either going to have like just this explosive offense or just a complete collapse, like on every level. Kept you, no, every single time. It was you know, crazy. You know how they always say like, "Oh, you always notice when this player is on the ice. You always notice when Mark Stahl is out there, you for better or worse." <laughs> I I love him so much, though. Same with Sam Gagne uh, mm-hmm. on four. Sam Gagne is much more consistent than Mark Stahl is, but just the the what they bring, I felt was so valuable. Not that you I, can't find that elsewhere with different players, maybe younger players, but I just I enjoyed their fit with the culture that the Red Wings are trying to build. And I think it would be useful to use Sam Gagne as a. Um, to make parallels, I mean, Toronto had uh, Jason Spezza for a while where he's, you know, this old, you know, former star, you know, forward, playing a mentorship role, playing depth, signing for minimum contracts and just keep going until, you know, the gas is out of the tank. And I think he'd be a perfect, perfect parallel for that. So then my question becomes looking at this free agency class defensively, we already talked John Klingberg. There's really nobody. You're gonna have, you're gonna be getting band aid pieces like the defensive guy. And this is a little bit of a spoiler for when Scotty and I continue our free agency conversation on Monday. But the guy I really would love is Nikita Zadorov. I think out of all the UFA uh, defensive free agents, he's probably the most consistent, um, and he's young enough that he can be a part of that team for several years to come. But he's also not gonna leave the Flames. Like, let's be honest. He's in a good spot. Yeah, he's, he's in a great anywhere. spot. And that's the yeah. problem with a lot of these free agents. Like, do you think Mangiapane is going to want to leave the Flames? Probably not. Nowhere. Yeah. Like, there's so many UFAs, but you look at the team they're on, they're like, they're not going anywhere. You could probably get Ryan Strom, 
I don't know if they're going to resign. The Rangers are going to resign him. He's he's been scratched the last couple games too. Like he's That's just crazy. been he's disappeared in the playoffs. His his season got revitalized with the New York Rangers. Like he finally got became what they everyone thought he was going to be. You know, fifty four points in seventy four games played. He's twenty eight years old. He's making four and a half million. And then, like you said, playoffs time he's come and he's fizzled out. So this is where you just get you're in a really interesting position where, man, I don't know. Like, do you I don't make a know. gamble on a Vincent Trocek, you know, make a push yeah. for him? Or do you, you know, go for Hurdle? Like, I don't know. I feel like some, the price tag of those guys might be a little too high. Well, and, you know, I look at some of these teams that I'm like, oh, this team's really good. I bet you their cap is screwed. Like a Valerie Nishkinen. I'm like, yeah. what about a Valerie Nishkinen? Oh, the Avalanche are projected to have $26 million in cap space. Well, he's not going to go anywhere. Yeah. Thanks, Colorado. Well, they've they've got to sign, what, McKinnon again soon. So they've got to have some money for that. But I'm sure he'll take a discount. Yeah, like, McKinnon's going to be a McKinnon is going to be a free agent next offseason, so they definitely going to have to extend him. And they have a they have a plethora of guys who are going to be free agents on their offensive core, but most of these guys they're going to let walk. Like they're going to yeah. walk, let Darren Helm walk. They're going to let. Um, Sorry, Rowan. Probably <laughs> Nazem Kadri walk. I can't imagine them resigning him and McKinnon, but you know people do funky stuff with the cap, which brings me to Nazem Kadri. Like, would you want a Nazem Kadri at thirty one years old at this stage in the rebuild? It's so tough. Like, it's just it's a really weird year because. We continue to preach patience in this rebuild, but I feel like people are starting to become impatient. And even oh, myself definitely. to a degree is starting to become impatient, but it's not necessarily Iserman's fault either. Like, like going back to your purgatory article, the Red Wings have not been helped in the, the draft at all. You look at, at a team like the New York Rangers who are in the conference finals. They got lucky twice. They jumped up to two and one overall in what back-to-back drafts to get Capo, Caco, and Lafreniere. And now, granted, I know that those aren't the two guys that have been doing having the most impact, but that goes a long way. Exactly. Yeah, that top talent. I mean, that's that's a guaranteed you know ticket to the dance for the most part. Um, I'm looking at a couple of the free agent defensemen right now. Here are some of the big names you could choose from. <laughs> You're going to get Justin Schultz, who is very inconsistent defensively. Colin Miller, who is uh, he was okay on Buffalo. Connor Murphy, who was with Chicago, and you know, meh. And then Will Butcher, who when he's not doing his day job with the boys, you know, he's out uh, defending for Buffalo too, and not doing a great job with that either. Can we sign Evgeny Malkin to like a two year? Yeah, right? <laughs> like that'd be the idea, the ideal. He'll never do it, but like we'll get him <laughs> and uh, Chris Letang. I mean, really, this is it's going to be. <laughs> realistically man like really thinking through it and talking through it it, it just genuinely feels like it's going to be another off season where you're going to get veterans who are probably once pretty good um but aren't so good anymore and just taking cheap contracts and then you're going to get young guys who need to like revitalize looking to revitalize their career or make a statement on a team that's worse so where they can get playing time because that's been the mo the last two off seasons and because this free agent class isn't that great and because the red wings have been you know, it's just you're, you're going to be staying the course and hoping that next season Simon Edvinson comes over, Jonathan Bergen makes the NHL roster, that these guys, the, the young guys that you brought in by yourself are going to take, take the next step forward and then the team gets better and then maybe next offseason will be the year. But the problem is, is just like how many, how many more of those, you hear that? how many times can you hear that, especially when players get older? I mean, Dylan Larkin, granted, he's still young at 26, but next offseason, he'll be 27. The offseason and you got to sign him next offseason. And, and same with Bertuzzi. So mm-hmm. at what point do you just say, screw it, this is our core, and try and go for it? Like, I know you want to build the Tampa Bay, but it's just, it's, 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 and there's some really nice pieces. Again, Moritz Sider, Lucas Raymond, Simon Edvinson are really nice pieces, but it's just how long can you 
hear that, how long can you actually afford to wait? Because I agree that this offseason is another B, stay the course year, but how long can you do that? What I'm wondering is, I, I personally, I thought it was going to be this year, but I think next year is going to be the year where um, a statement is set. You know, if these young players continue to break out, if they can start pushing out these veterans, then we can start thinking about, you know, next steps. Think about making the playoffs because now you have obviously Boston has fallen off pretty hard. Yeah. Um, and as that goes on, you know, if, if they don't develop and if they don't make the cut next season, then might be time to get a little worried. Yeah. Well, that's a, that's another thing too, is just, they, it's just, it's just so frustrating at this point where it's like you, I have full confidence in Steve Eiserman to continue to make those savvy, surprising moves. Like last offseason, we obviously saw him bring in the Delkovich for what ended up being just a third round pick. Cause again, Bernier just walked, uh, which we knew he would. And then they also traded for Nick Letty for a second round pick, which at the time, I mean, that's, that's cheap for a guy you didn't know how he was going to pan out. I, I was all in on the Nick Letty trade because he was pretty good with the Islanders. Didn't really turn out. You were able to recoup your value there. Those are moves that you take. Will they work out? You don't know, but they're worth taking a chance on, and he's done that throughout this rebuild. Some of them have worked out. Some of them haven't. Eric Comrie didn't work out. Brendan Perlini didn't work out. Robbie Fabry worked out amazingly. But So like you get, you get guys on both sides of the coin, and that's just you're going to have to – I won't say you're going to have to hope he's going to do that again, but you're going to have to also understand that he probably will make at least one or two trades like that where it's going to be a name you're like, okay, I can see the upside here, and he's not going to give up too terrible, terribly much for that player. That a just player, It's I, becoming an expectation at this point, right? Yeah, a player I, I would keep an eye on um, is Andre Kasha. He played for the Maple Leafs for a little bit this season. And if you remember him, I think Boston gave up like a first rounder to get him a couple seasons ago, but he's the guy who just kept getting injured and just kept missing full seasons. Um, he would be a good low risk bet. I think you've got other guys like um, Josh Hosang, if you really want to, you know, just swing for the fences there, finally give this kid a chance. Um, so, I mean, there are budget options out there, but there are also, you know, um, options if you want to swing for the fences too. What about, uh, what about Sebastian Ajo Islanders? Oh, the other Sebastian Ajo. Yeah. Well, it depends on whether or not the Islanders want to keep him. Because, I mean, they're... It seems they're like they've soured on him. I don't really understand what they're trying to do at this point. Um, they extended a couple of their veterans for another few years. Like, I think uh, Zach Parise got another extension, like a two-year deal. Um, they don't know what they're doing either. They fired, they fired trots. Like, I, I feel like Lou Lamarillo just kind of, you know... <laughs> he hit that he hit uh the point in his age where his you know best days are behind him two-time I mean, gm of the year <laughs> yeah aho only played 36 games this season with and had 12 points he was a negative six I, I i looked at him a little bit yesterday and his advanced metrics there were all pretty poor but it just i don't know guys like that scream to me you know i has been taking a flyer on seeing if he mm. can improve him i even i made an argument on our goaltending free agents episode because there's not a lot of great uh, goalies in the free agency market either. I mean, Scotty brought up Braden Holtby as a guy you could bring in to serve as either your backup or your one beat and Alex Nedeljkovich as he tries to like prove that he still has it. Um, I brought up Eric Comrie again, because if you look at his season with Winnipeg, he actually was really good and his expected uh, his goal saved above expected was solid as well. So I think he played 
uh, only 19 games, but if you're looking for like an actual backup backup and you're going to give that starting role 100% to Nadalkovich, I was like, hey, bring Comrie back. I know a lot of people wanted Magnus Helberg to get another chance, but in the one game he played, he was he didn't look good, not no. good. Well, like, that's he's good thing. on the international stage, but I mean, that's against much weaker talent, you know, much shallower talent. I just am so baffled with the whole Magnus Helberg thing, too. And I, I've talked about it so me and Scott have talked about it so much on the podcast. But it's like you sign a guy with like 10 games remaining in the season and then you don't give him a start. And I, I think my, my two theories are you obviously gave him the start against the Devils. But my two theories are they either thought somebody was hurt, like they signed him to an NHL contract. And I thought they were going to do send him to Grand Rapids because Picard was hurt and mm-hmm. Brad Strum was the guy who was taking all the work. But they didn't. They kept it at the NHL level. So, like, maybe they thought Nadelkovich or Grice was hurt worse than they were. Like, they, but they didn't pan out that way. And so they just carried three goalies. Or they, you know, they picked Magnus Helberg out of the KHL before offseason hit. So they could have, you know, signing rights to him before UFAs. I mean, that's, those are my two prevailing theories. But in that one game played, he didn't really look that good, although he had yeah. sick pads. Yeah, he did. <laughs> those pads were sick. Um, who is your, like, I can fix him? player where it's like oh things would be different if he signed for the wings oh man that's a good one i've got Um, uh, max domi is my guy i could fix johnny goudreau oh wait (laughs) (laughs) yeah johnny goudreau he totally hates it in calgary and would love it in a big (laughs) big market like detroit (laughs) oh yeah totally what is going on here oh i'm on I'm not on the first page anymore. That's why What's I'm getting that reply. You see on tweets all the time where it's like, I'm taking my fandom to Detroit where they know how to run a mega dynasty. And it's always like a random team, like Columbus with a mega dynasty. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't really know if I have any guys this off season that I'm like, we can fix him. A lot of them. There was a, there was a G six UFA in Montreal had, they picked them up off of, God, who was it they picked him up off of? I just had him yesterday. Let me sort through. um, Guys, this is uh, live me finding things because I'm not (laughs) cutting this out. I'm too lazy to cut this out. Um, Well, while you do that, I can talk about my my fixture. There you go. Uh, Mine would be Max Domi. Um, He's, you know, been around, what, like four or five teams now. Um, Never really gotten like a solid role. He's been scratched. He's been on and off. But I think things would be different if he was in Detroit. I mean, it'd be really good. He's just one of those guys who had an incredible upside, but never, never lived up to it. It was William Legason from Montreal, by the way, besides mm-hmm. Sebastian Ajo as my other guy. Uh, William Legason is a G6 UFA. He did not play enough games at the NHL level to become a, remain his RFA status. So he becomes a UFA. It's the same thing that the Red Wings avoided by having Jake Wallman play all of the last 19 games. Um, I think he's young enough. You could bring him over and maybe make him into a meld him into a good depth defenseman. But yeah, Sebastian Ajo of the Islanders is another guy that is very much like we can fix him because he's a guy who's supposed to have a pretty high ceiling in the back end and never, never you know, lived up to it. There is one Andreas Anthonyu that is no, a, a UFA. No, <laughs> no, we're not doing that experiment again. We've, uh, we've been there. Things no, but, would be you know, different this time. <laughs> I did talk to Sarah Vampto, who is the uh, Locked On LA Kings host, and she said that Andrea Athens- Athens- has actually been a pretty good depth piece for the Kings. Like he's he's had a he hasn't been a detriment, which good for, for Athanasius case is, is a compliment. Uh, also, they apparently they love Martin Furk over there because he plays in the, he plays at the Ontario Reign, and they're always whenever he comes up, it's kind of like what he was with the Red Wings. Whenever he comes up, they're like 
Let's Here comes go, that shot. Here comes that shot. They know he's not going to score with it, but they're like, "Let's see that cannon, baby. Let's see it." I want, I want it like an all-star skills competition where you just bring up players that aren't, you know, like these superstar players that just do something really cool. Like I want Martin Furk to take a big, you know, a, a slap shot from center ice. I want burns a hole through uh, the net. Darren Helm to, you know, stone hands his way into a deke, <laughs> into a break breakaway. An ax they call that an accident angle. Yep. <laughs> and that's something I'm very well known for uh in my men's league is accident angles because I've just I what happens is a guy comes at me and I panic and I lose the puck and because he didn't expect me to lose the puck on my own, he just skates right past it and I'm like, I I got stuff, I got the puck still. <laughs> I've been known as the uh traffic cone usually, so nice, you know nice. not really the same, but you're you're <laughs> you are a warm body. You you I let was, the other players get a rest. I was the John late career Jonathan Erickson nice. of uh my my league. Oh all right, Jake, this was a good conversation, man. Uh, follow Jake. You can see it on the screen here. If you're watching on YouTube, follow Jake at Rivard NHL. Uh, are you, are you working on anything right now? I got a couple pieces in the hopper. Um, stay yeah, tuned over the next few weeks. Uh, there might be some news. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. Um, stay tuned. That's all stay, I'll say. Stay tuned. That's, that's yeah. That's we'll, we'll leave that. Uh, thanks for coming on and talking to me today. It was a nice little retrospective on your article plus free agency primer as well. Um, help me fill 30 minutes and Scotty abandoned me, just told me to go touch grass. I hurt my feelings. So that's heartbreaking, man. Yeah, it's not great. Why but touch I, grass when Elden Ring exists? Right. <laughs> uh, thanks for making Lockdown Ring your first listen every day. Now make your second listen Lockdown NHL. Lockdown NHL covers the playoffs like no other. Hear the latest news and opinions from local experts every Monday through Friday. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Before I officially sign off, I do have exciting news. Guys, I'm getting a new desk. That's it. That's the news. That's great. That's really happy for you. <laughs> that's, that's what this giant thing in the background is. is oh, this, the desk uh, you haven't put together? It's a tabletop I haven't had the time to put together yet. So I'm not really sure, but my background may look different on Monday's episode. So stay tuned for that riveting reveal. Uh, same time. Same new place. desk cam. <laughs> new desk cam. Are you going to do the same? Can you know our sign off? You want to do it with me? I'm sure. I don't know the sign off, but <laughs> just when I say every day, you repeat with every day as well. So it goes same time, same place to your team every day. And every day as well. There you go.